0: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See mobilecom From KMOX Sports. Okay, boys, here we go. Welcome to the Graybar Sports Open Line. Those mid swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. bar your distributor for electrical and data needs. Here we go. Right now. Matt Pauly on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. All right, man, let's get going here.
1: Here we go, here we go, here we go. Let's go! Wednesday Wednesday night, we welcome you into another Graybar Sports Open Line right here on KMOX. My name is Matt Pauly. It is just absolutely fantastic to be able to be talking to you this evening. If you would like to uh, join the program, you can do so by calling or texting 314-436-7900. 314-436-7900, that's how you call, that's how you text. You can also tweet into the program at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. We've got a lot coming up. Kevin Ryans from uh, Fox 2 and Channel 11 going to join us in about uh, 10 minutes. Daniel Guerrero from the Post-Dispatch and STL today will join us at about 635. We are going to uh, hear... Uh, From Drew Bannister, the Blues uh, head coach leading into uh, their game tonight. Also going to hear a little bit from uh, Doug Armstrong. He also spoke to the uh, assembled media earlier today. Chris Gervino is going to join us next hour as we talk uh, Mizzou football with him. So certainly a lot to get into over these uh, couple hours. Blues in action tonight as they match up against Dallas. Second time they've seen Dallas in about a week and a half they played them back on uh, December sixteenth. Won that game in overtime, four three. That was the second game after the coaching change with Bannister uh, taking over, and that was a good win. That's one of their better wins this year. They're playing good hockey. They're playing good hockey, and I look, I'm, I'm skeptical on their ability to keep it going. I think we see. We've talked about this over and over. I'm not just trying to repeat myself. We've seen when coaching changes happen, there you get a little bit of a bump from it. There's some momentum there, and then eventually you kind of go back to being who you are. That's what happens probably like 80% of the time. So maybe that happens. But you know what? If it, honestly, the Blues are kind of just being who they are because all season long it's been a roller coaster where they've gone into periods of winning and they've gone into periods of losing. They, they haven't really – they strung those four losses together which resulted in Craig Berube getting fired. But outside of that, they haven't really strung much together from a winning standpoint or from a losing standpoint. Uh, at one point in early November, they won five out of six. That was probably their best stretch of the season. Right now, they've won four of their last five. So, um, yeah, I look, I I want to see the Blues win. I want to see them to continue to play well. I'd love to see them in the playoffs this year. That And at the very least, for, for the— as it concerns to this show and talking about the blues on a nightly basis uh I want them to be in contention all the way to the end of the season so all the way through the year we've got we've got something compelling to talk about right now there are compelling things about this blues team to talk about i again we'll play some of the audio for you from uh doug armstrong and and he was mainly when he was talking today he was mainly talking about what was going on with the um with the world juniors because the blues have seven players participating in that event. Uh, They are tied for first in the NHL, which says something about the future of the organization and how bright it is. And that's a really, really exciting thing. I think for fans of this team to really take note of, and you know what, honestly, we don't talk about it. Maybe that's a bad job by me. It probably is a bad job by me because we talk all the time when it comes to baseball, we talk about the future. We talk about, hence we were talking about Mason Wynn. We, we talk about all these guys all the time in baseball, the future of the organization. and where when when guys are performing at Memphis, there's this call for them to get called up to to the Cardinals. fans are talking about them. It doesn't exist quite as much in hockey. Now the the business of hockey, you know prospecting for lack of a better term, it's a it's a different business than it is for hockey, obviously. But maybe we should. Maybe it's up to, to me and, and, and other people to spend a little bit more time talking about what's in the pipeline for the Blues because when you do see that they've got seven individuals that are participating in the World Juniors, that's, that's, that's impressive. And that says a lot about what's coming up. Now, they have a lot of – how do I say it? They've got a lot of really good prospects – they don't have those super elite level prospects but there's just not a lot of those guys walking around and when you do get those guys they don't spend much time away from the NHL they get to the NHL very very quickly see Connor Bedard right so that's that's the way it it, it kind of works you in baseball you never you almost never see somebody just jump right into major league baseball in in hockey you do see it on occasion, and that's kind of the difference in the level of prospect uh, from what you get. But there's again, there's just not a whole lot of those guys walking around. So yeah, we'll hear from Drew Banister. We we'll hear from uh, we we'll hear from Doug Armstrong coming up uh, later on. Both those individuals uh, spoke, and uh, we'll again, the Blues are dropping the puck against Dallas tonight at uh, seven o'clock. That'd be a big win. They've got a couple tough games coming up, uh, and against a couple teams that they've had some good recent performances against. They play Dallas tonight. They beat Dallas here uh, recently. And then they're going to match up against Colorado coming up on Friday night. And they uh, they were able to get a win against uh, Colorado that eight two win back in uh, mid November when they were playing really good hockey. They, you can argue that that eight two win against Colorado might be their best win of the season. That was uh, an impressive performance that they had that night. So again, uh, we got a lot coming up. Up next, Kevin Rines is going to join us. He is uh, part of the team. At Fox 2 and Channel 11, he's with us in just a moment as we roll on with the Graybar Sports Open Line here on KMOX.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
1: Instacart knows
0: nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. Is your reward, Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois.
1: The graveyard sports open continues right here on KMOX. My name is Matt Pauley. Appreciate you being with us. Hopefully, you are staying warm. The roads weren't that bad when the snow was coming down. A little slick and. Uh, we took care of you. Actually, Roger Brand took care of you throughout the course of the day here on KMOX. Right now, we're going to head to the Quiver River Electric guest line. Welcome on. One of our favorite people to be able to talk to. You see him on Channel 2 and Channel 11. He is Kevin Ryans. You follow him on Twitter at OfficialKevRy. Kevin, always good to talk to you. How are you? How are you? Thank you for having me on. Yeah, hope uh, your Christmas was uh, wonderful with your family, and we're coming up on uh, on New Year and Uh, it's, it's kind of a weird time in sports. Obviously the blues are going to get back going tonight, but things sort of slowed down a little bit. I don't think we've really talked much since the, um, since the moves that were made by the Cardinals when it comes to pitching. So I'm going to just start you off with that to get your thoughts. Have you liked what the Cardinals have done so far? Obviously bringing in three starting pitchers, uh, and three guys who are certainly going to give you some innings. And when one guy who's in Sonny gray, who is coming off one heck of a season.
4: Yeah, I love the Sonny Gray move. I think he's going to light it up here in St. Louis. That's how good I think Sonny Gray is. I've always been a big fan of his. Uh, I grew up in New York as a Yankees fan. I was so disappointed when it didn't work out with him and the Yankees. because I thought he had all the talent in the world, but everywhere else he's been, Oakland, Cincinnati, Minnesota, he has been awesome. Last year might have been his best season. So um, Sonny Gray is a massive, massive signing for the Cardinals. That's a home run for them. Um, I know a lot of Cardinals fans probably would have liked them to see, to see if they would have been in on anyone else, um, but they got their mission done. You know, they they accomplished what they wanted to do. They got those three starting pitchers, two of them very reliable pitchers. Um, you hope that you know, even though in their little bit older age, that they're able to hold up for a season. Certainly didn't affect them last year in Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson, so i 'm a fan of what 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 they what they did, particularly with Sonny Gray
1: would you be comfortable with this version of the Cardinals uh, going into the regular season yeah,
4: yeah. um the, the, the one the one thing i would I would say is that they, they they I still think there are question marks when it comes to that outfield. not quite sure it sounds like it 's going to be Edmund Newbar or walker um uh from what you know mosse was was saying earlier in the off season um so far I mean, they made the, the trade with O'neil to go to the Red sox, so you knew he was gonna be taken out of the uh, the the complex here you know i i i i i i i just am not i'm not hundred percent sure if it's all settled there um you know what are you gonna get out of that you know are you gonna i mean hopefully you you get the production more production out of Walker in the second year Newbars Barr, when he's healthy, was a solid hitter. Um, you know, Edmund played a really good center field, but I still think that his best position is in the infield. But then you have all this log jam in the infield. You're going to play Nolan Gorman sometime at second base. You're going to play Brendan Donovan sometime at second base. So, you know, it's it's still confusing. What is the alignment really for the Cardinals going into the season? There's my confusion there, and um, maybe they'll figure out Um, lineup wise who they want to do. Do they want to platoon? Do they want to, but I'm sure they'll they'll figure out something, but um, still, um, you know, this is the same team that they went out there with and lost 91 games with. So, um, you know, the the pitching staff might've been bolstered a little bit um, with some guys that are definitely durable. Um, But then you run the risk of they're older in age and, you know, do they wear out? Do they get hurt? Do they, you know, the pitching staff there. So, you know, and then the bullpen, you know, the the bullpen, you know, when you you, you like what you have there at Helsley, Jojo Romero shows some signs that he could be really good, but you need another bullpen arm. It sounds like that might be the next move that they make. And, you know, who knows whether they'll do the trademark or they'll sign. So um, there's still a lot of holes, I think, for the Cardinals to be able to succeed again. Um, But I think what they've done is a good start.
1: Yeah, and you know, to your point, and I was out at the winter meetings, and I can't tell you how many times we heard it from both Oliver Marmel and John Moselock. it seemed like there is a focus on there being a little bit more consistency in the lineup, or more, more, the better way to say it is the, the defensive positioning, that you kind of know who the three outfielders are going to be every day, and that you you know who's going to be at second, you know who's going to be at short, and obviously it's not everyday sort of thing, but you mentioned the platoons, and I get the sense that I don't, you know, maybe there's some right left stuff that they do, but I, I get the sense that they want there to be a lot more stability in the field this upcoming year than there was this past season.
4: Yeah. And, and, the, and the the one thing is that, you know, I know, I understand Edmund ended up winning the utility award for the gold glove. That's a guy who won gold glove at second base. You know, um, that's a guy that I understand with the, with you know, you have, you have to be able to play some of these other guys. So, you know the fact that he showed some signs that he could play center field is great, and it helps him a lot. Kind of opens up the lineup a little bit, but you know, I, I for me, I, I kind of you know, as a, as a, as a guy who's watched a lot of baseball, I just I like to I like to see the the people play where they play best where they are at, at best. And I think Edmund is great at second base. Hate to take him away from that, but good. It's good that he did. Show some good signs in, in the outfield because that helps them a little bit and helps them bring that stability. Again, it's about where they're going to get offensively. You know, you know the um, Goldschmidt's a year older, didn't produce as much as he did uh, the year before. Um, Arenado, um, you know, was was good at stretches, um, but then you know, of course, the beginning of the season last year struggled mightily. Um, you know, uh, are they on the back end of those primes and those careers are they going to see another, you know, take off of their production. Um, and then everyone else, you know, you're not talking about anybody that's riding the world on fire in terms of offense. We're so, not- um,
1: so oh, excuse me, that's, sorry. Well, that's where I look at it. Yeah, absolutely. We're talking with No, 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 no. I know. We're talking with Kevin Ryans, who joins us from uh, Fox Two and, and Channel Eleven. Before we get you out of here, let's touch on the Blues for just a moment. Uh, we're seeing the, the standard bump from a team after they make a coaching change. The question always remains: Is it something that can? Continue on, and obviously we saw it continue on in a big way when Craig Berube took over. That was a a very different type of team. Generally, teams eventually kind of fall back to who they were before the coaching change. What is your expectation? What are you watching for? what What makes you optimistic or not so optimistic about the Blues post coaching change?
4: I right, I love the effort, particularly the one they gave over the weekend. You know, they were down five to two. No worries. We're going to come after it. We're going to uh, get those five straight goals. we are going to, you know, every time we score a goal, we're going to gain momentum. You know, at the very least, they're showing signs that there is a little bit more urgency. I asked Craig Rudy before he was let go from the blues, you know, uh, how, how, you know, how do you want them to play? Do you, should they be playing with a bunch of urgency, knowing how they were in the standings at the time and how much they were struggling? He said, you have to play every day when you're in that kind of situation with urgency, you're seeing it from the blues. So um, I'm expecting that the rest of the way, you know, whether or not it's going to be enough to make the postseason we'll see in three to four months from now, but I, I like what the, the w the effort that they're giving every night, it may not be the best effort. It may not, you know, always, you know, be perfect, but at the very least, you look at the standings in the last few weeks, They're a few days, they're right there on the cusp of the Western conference playoff picture and they're 4-1 and one with this new coach, he seems to have found something in them to kind of light a fire in them and they're responding to it.
1: Yeah, and that not that t- like his, his job more than anything else, isn't it to kind of unlock Jordan Kyrou because that's the guy right. who's getting paid to score goals and they're not going to be who they need to be if he's not going out and scoring goals.
4: Yeah. And you love what that, you know, you made the, the change in the top line, you know, with which neighbors, Cairo and Thomas, and you've seen the production out of them over the last five games. It's been tremendous. So you're happy to see that they made a move. They're trusting those players, those top players, those players that Doug Armstrong gave those big contracts to, and they're performing to it. They're playing to their skills and, um, I think that's uh, that's encouraging. When you, you know, when when things were kind of teetering a bit, they've kind of leveled it off. Let's see if they can take off and continue um, this this momentum swing and. Have some good success later on in the season.
1: And the one thing certainly of note is they've gotten just a little. It'd be tough for them to get any less production from the power play than they were getting, but they've gotten a little bit more. That second power play group has been the group that's maybe done uh, a bit more recently, and that's another area where if the power play can turn on a little bit, they're going to be able to win some more games.
4: Yeah, I, I just was I was struck by you know the the things that they were saying after the game put the pucks on the net, be assertive on the, on the power play. You know, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's those things that that they weren't doing before that they realize that they need to get going and that they're, do, they're putting in place now. And you, and as a blue spin, you got to love it. I mean, that last goal wasn't a power play goal by Falk or I guess the second to last goal, but that was an example of just trying to put something at net, try to get something going. And they did. You know, to think about the two power play goals that did go in—a beautiful tip in by Saad, one that goes off of the pants of neighbors against Chicago—those are things that you know you love to see. That, that that they're really attacking the net, and that that they're having success with it.
1: Kevin Ryans is a sports reporter for Fox 2 and Channel 11. You follow him on Twitter at Official Kev Rye. Kevin, appreciate you taking some time with us today. Have a wonderful new year, and uh, we will certainly uh, find time to talk to you in uh, 2024. Thank you so much for taking the time with us.
4: I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. As always, all the best and happy holidays to you and yours.
1: Awesome. Very good. Same to you. Thank you so much. That's Kevin Ryan's joining us here on the program. Back-to-back interviews. When we come back, we're going to be joined by uh, Daniel Guerrero. He wrote an interesting piece that uh, posted today at STL Today. Uh, I believe it will be in the printed copy of the paper uh, tomorrow. Uh, looking at, he went with seven intriguing Cardinals prospects that you may not know yet, but you should. We're going to get into that coming up in just a moment. Daniel Guerrero will join us after this short break right here on KMOX.
5: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
0: This is the Gray Bar Sports Open line. Those mid swings, and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer.
1: America's Sports Voice, K of OX. We roll on here on a Wednesday night talking a lot of baseball this evening. We talk baseball 12 months a year because we are in St. Louis, and that is certainly what we do. We're going to head back to the Quiver River electric guest line. We're going to welcome uh, Daniel Guerrero on. Of course, uh, you read him in the Post-Dispatch and at STL Today. Wanted to have him on because this afternoon I was on STL Today, and I saw a very interesting story written by Daniel where he goes with seven intriguing Cardinal prospects. You may not know yet, but you should. Of course, when we talk about Cardinals prospects, so often we talk about uh, the top of the prospect list, but maybe there are some guys that are a little bit further down that list that you should be paying attention to and uh, you should read this article, but we're going to talk about it with them right now. We welcome Daniel Guerrero in via the Quiver River Electric guest line. Daniel, thanks for uh, taking the time. How are you? I'm doing good, Matt. Thanks for inviting. Yeah, before we get into uh into your article, just from a very general perspective, between the trades that the Cardinals pulled off at the deadline last year, even maybe the the Tyler O'Neill trade uh this offseason, how much have they really added? How much better are they from a prospect standpoint than they were before those moves?
3: Yeah, I think they uh they added some some uh, um guys who could really be impacts so you look at that trade with texas you know the Jordan montgomery uh chris stratton deal and the cardinals get you know a major league reliever with john king who showed you know he could uh be affected out of the bullpen but on the prospect side you got uh thomas DeJacy who i mean was already having a career year uh with frisco in in the ranger system and continued that and he certainly put himself on on that radar of uh of, you know of a guy who could be a, a a role player in that middle infield depth or just infield depth in general. And then you look at Takoa Roby, who immediately becomes one of the top pitching prospects in the Cardinal system. Um, And go ahead and also look at that, that Baltimore trade where you get a couple of guys who, uh, who are, you know, nearing the big leagues. Uh, Same thing with that trade at the blue Jays for Jordan Hicks. Um, You get a couple of of arms of, you know, pitching prospects who are starters and who have, uh, you know, you, also, kind of uh, make that make that leap onto the top 30 list, but certainly within the top 15 of the Cardinal system. Um, so yeah, they they definitely added to the farm system at the deadline. Um, some of it's you know a little bit uh, a ways away, but you look at some guys that they added, and, and they could be making an impact real soon.
1: This is kind of off the beaten path a little bit, but you're the perfect person to ask when it comes mm-hmm. to developing relief pitching. You know, a lot of times starters start their big league careers as relievers a lot of times future relievers are starting in the minor leagues just so they can get their innings and they can work all their pitches and they do all that sort of things is is the industry going about it the correct way right now in terms of actually developing major league ready relief pitching
3: um you know it's an interesting point because i think we've seen with the Cardinals, right. Where we see a lot of starters come up in relief roles and then eventually transition. And, and, you know, some guys end up staying in the relief role, but, you know, I I think a big part of it's just opportunity and kind of where, uh, you know, a teams spot is in the major leagues and kind of what they need and where prospect can play a role in. Um, I think obviously giving opportunities to uh, young guys to start and even, you know, starting kind of fall in their face and learn from those things um, is, is definitely a benefit in the long run. So, I mean, I, I mean, I guess I kind of side on just, you know, just kind of letting guys go out there and compete and go out there and kind of learn what, it's, what it takes to compete at the big league level. Um, I, I guess that's just the way I've, you know, kind of seen it with starting pitching and getting guys uh, kind of ramped up to being uh, kind of ramped up from, you know, being that, you know, high ceiling prospect uh, to, you know, being a, a big league starter.
1: And with that, a guy like Tinkens, he hasn't thrown a lot of innings in his career. Uh-huh. Is this a if he is going to be a starter in the big leagues? Is this a big year for him to increase the innings pitched? Because you only want to you know grow guys' innings one year to the next by by a certain amount before you start to risk injury. Uh,
3: yeah, certainly. I mean, obviously, you want to handle, especially a guy like Tinkens, who, um, right when we're talking about the top Cardinals prospects, especially at the beginning of last year you know, it really went. A lot of places it was Jordan Mason. You know Jordan Walker, Mason win, and you know either Tink Kent or Gordon Grassefo. So Tink is right there up there. Um, you know, it's kind of one of the Cardinals' blue chip prospects. Um so yeah, you certainly want to handle him with care, but yeah, you do look at kind of where he's at. Um he's still very young. He's only twenty one years old. Pitched a double A this last year, near to hundred innings. Would have been over that obviously if he didn't miss Uh, you know, a whole month because of uh, kind of like some neck, chest muscle uh, injuries uh, from, uh, you know, that he kind of experienced some tightness after one of his outings. Uh, But, you know, when when he was on, you could see that, you know, he could be that guy with who knows how to use his pitch mix, who has definitely the stuff. Um, You always hear, you know, electric and other free, like buzzwords like that uh, when when people talk about Tinkent's. Um, But, yeah, I I would look at 2024 as a year that could be important for him to, um, you know, just get more innings and get above AA and, uh, you know, take that next step towards the big leagues just to uh, kind of see what he's going to be like, you know, with a full slate of innings under his belt.
1: All right. So mention mentioned the story. I'm always whenever I bring people on to specifically talk about something that they wrote. Mm-hmm. I don't want to give too much of it away because I want people to go read it themselves and mm-hmm. subscribe to the Post-Dispatch and STL today. Uh, but you looked at seven specific names uh, that are worth watching in 2024. And we're not talking about the guys who are listed at the top of the the top 30 prospect list. How did you put together this list of these guys?
3: Yeah, you know, and it's one of those things, right? Where we, especially during the year, you know, Victor Scott II, uh, Thomas DeJacy, Takoarobi, those are guys that, uh, rightfully so, we talk about a lot because of their production, because of uh, just kind of that. um, I guess that I I don't like using like ceilings. I think guys can, you know, push ceilings, but I mean, those are certainly guys with high ceilings, right? Um, But obviously, there are guys who are lower in the system that could make an impact down the road. I mean, Brendan Donovan's one of them who you know, was kind of a later pick, Um, you know, wasn't all that uh, prominent. I mean, or, you know, you know, kind of came onto the scene as a utility guy and really found a role. And, you know, there's always guys like that. So, I mean, looking at this list, um, there are guys, you know, from guys who are in AAA to guys who, you know, are still at the kind of low A level that that I feel like are, you know, intriguing players. I think one of them that comes to mind is uh, Andre Granillo, He's a right-handed pitching prospect. Uh, pitched in A this year and in the Fall League. You look at, um, I mean, he was a 14th round pick, so I mean, obviously doesn't, you know, jump off the page, you know, as far as like draft profile and all that. But, I mean, you look at his results in 2021 when he became a, a minor leaguer in the Cardinal system and, you know, he's up there when it comes to strikeout rate, uh, when it comes to batting average allowed, when it comes to uh, swing and strike rate. I mean, and he also impressed in the Fall League. And, you know, he's certainly a guy who, you know, might not, make a prospect list but certainly has the qualities of of a pitcher who who can have an impact in a big league bullpen down the road um and obviously I mean, with with the year that he's had and uh kind of what he showed in the fall league I mean it wouldn't be surprising you know to see at some point in 2024 that you know he could be in the mix for for having an impact in the Cardinals' bullpen.
1: You make note of his strikeout numbers where, since 2021, he's second in the mm-hmm. organization in strikeouts per nine innings at almost tw- just over 12.5. His strikeout rate is about 32%. This is an organization that has spoken openly about needing more swing and miss at the big league level. So does that that much more open up a door for somebody like him to really get the organization to take note of what he's doing?
3: Oh, definitely. I mean, like you, you said it. You know, kind of uh, hit the nail on that one, right, where the Cardinals are looking for swing and miss. Here's a guy who could come out of the bullpen and get that for you. Um, and I, I think kind of the 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 thing that benefits uh, Granillo a lot is obviously what he did in the fall league. Um, obviously, the Arizona fall league is huge for a lot of prospects. It's, you know, people say, it's you know, the finishing school for prospects to, to kind of make, make that next uh, impression, you know, getting a shot at, you know, whether that's in spring training or just kind of being looked at. Um, as somebody who can make an impact. And, and uh, you know, he had a, a sub-2 ERA there in about 10 innings, uh, struck out 14, only walked three. Uh, and, I mean, you just see the stuff. I mean, he has a high 90s fastball slider that kind of gets a lot of swing and miss kind of with a sharp bite. And uh, he's definitely a guy who fits that mold, right? If the Cardinals are looking for swing and miss, here's a guy who could potentially uh, bring that to you at the big league level.
1: Another player that you mentioned, who I think is really interesting, is uh, Quinn Matthews, a left-handed pitcher. Uh, mm-hmm. He Pitched at Stanford, uh, did not play this past season in terms of professional baseball. So he'll be making his uh, his uh, so he'll be making his minor league debut here uh, coming up. But I always take note when you've got these college guys who pitched at a mm-hmm. pretty high level; those are the guys that at times are on the fast path and fast track and can maybe be impacting a major league team pretty quickly.
3: Yeah, and Quinn Matthews, I mean, pitching at Stanford, uh, obviously had a kind of made a a headlines right with a 16 strikeout, 165 pitch complete game in the Super Regionals against Texas. Um, Definitely a guy who you look at, and um, I mean, you look at his pitch mix. He throws four pitches. uh, Scouting reports say you know he commands it well, uh, and obviously has the frame for you know being a big league starter and uh, coming from Stanford. Having pitched in high uh, high intensity moments, he's a guy who you know has a lot of that makeup that you look for in, in a big league starter.
1: Last guy I ask you about, you mentioned uh, catcher Leonardo Bernal, and th- this organization they have Wilson Contreras right now, but really they're I think they're still looking for who that next long term catcher is is going to be, and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'll see what happens this upcoming season with, with Herrera. Pedro Pajas has been uh, mentioned a fair amount. W- where do you see this going uh, with this organization? Who's the guy in the minor leagues who maybe you're most optimistic about as one day being the next top-line starting catcher for the Cardinals? Uh,
3: you know, obviously with the year Yvonne Herrera had, you have to put him in that conversation. Um, I, I would say Leonardo Bernal is a guy who you look at as, you know, the long-term down-the-road kind of guy. I mean, he's 19 years old. Uh, just played a second season in in, in uh, low A with Palm Beach, um, and you look at the numbers, and I mean he's he's hit well. Uh, kind of had a drop in in kind of slugging percentage and power, but um, his on base percentage was up. Uh, he's a switch hitting catcher, and he seems to hit pretty well from the both sides. Has some uh, power from from both sides as well, um, and then you look at what he does kind of in the run game, and and you know described as an above average. Or, uh sorry, plus arm strength. Um, so, I mean, he would be, he's a guy who I would say is more long-term. Um, obviously, Wilson Contreras is a starting catcher and Yvonne Herrera is his backup. Um, but, I mean, I think when you look at some of the guys who, down the road, kind of the younger pro- on the prospect side, the guys who are young and, you know, down the road will have an impact, I think Herrera and Bernal are certainly guys who, who are going to be in that mix, um, you know, years from now.
1: He is Daniel Guerrero. There's nobody who covers uh, minor leagues and, and prospects better than him. We love being able to uh, talk with him. Encourage you to read. We only talked really about three of the guys on this list of seven. So uh, go read it for yourself. STLtoday.com. It posted this afternoon. Uh, read in the Post-Dispatch. I assume it's going to be in the print version uh, coming up tomorrow. Uh, Daniel, always appreciate you taking some time. I hope the holidays have been great for uh, for you and yours. And uh, look forward to seeing you real soon. Yeah, looking forward to it, Matt. Take care. Awesome. That's Daniel Guerrero joining us via the Quiver River Electric guest line. We'll jump back into hockey coming up in just a moment. The Blues match up against the Stars tonight over at the Enterprise Center. We'll hear from uh, Coach Drew Bannister. He met with the media earlier today and uh, his thoughts on this game as uh, the Blues come off the holiday break. We'll hear from that coming up, and we'll hear from him uh, in just a moment as we roll on with the Gray Bar Sports Open line here on KMOX. Your home of the Cardinals.
0: Arnauto swings and hits it deep to left field. That ball is out of here. The Billikins Jumper. Yes! Billikins win! The Chiefs. Touchdown, Kansas City! We are America's sports voice. KMOX. <laughs>
1: Back at it here on a Graybar Sports Open Line on KMOX. My name is Matt Pauley. Really appreciate you spending uh, part of your. It's a holiday week. I know there's some people who are working, and it's just a normal week for. But for many folks, it's a holiday week. So appreciate you being with us and a. Uh, Hello to everybody making their way to downtown St. Louis for the Blues game tonight. They are going to match up against the Dallas Stars. Uh, Drew Bannister, head coach, interim head coach of the Blues, spoke with the media earlier today. Want to play some of what he had to say, starting with uh, why Joel Hofer is starting in goal tonight against Dallas
2: he deserved to be in the net. Um, you know, had a great, a uh, great game for us in Florida. So we want to get him back up and running here. Um, you know, we have, you know, three games in, in the next four days. So it gives us that ability to kind of rotate our goalies. But I think, you know, Joel's deserved the start and, you know, we expect him to, to be on his game. You know, the way he played, I think he's feeling more comfortable than he did a few weeks ago. We've had some good work with him. So he's confident. He talked about, I just spoke to him in there. Just, he feels like he's more relaxed. Are you seeing that too? Or? I think so. I think, uh, uh you know i think Uh, the the schedule early on maybe warmed down a little bit and I think he's he's kind of getting into a groove a little bit where he was able to get some rest uh, you know get his strength back to to where he needed to be and I think we saw that in the Florida game like he he looked more like the goalie that that I've seen over the last couple of years playing for us in in Springfield and obviously you know when he was up here playing really well and I think that you know the rest um, you know gives him a little bit of time to kind of reset himself which he had there for a few weeks uh, get his game back to where it was and then we saw you know the effort and, and, and you know, the game that he played in Florida. So I uh, you know, positive moving forward with him and certainly, you know, we're gonna need him here tonight.
1: Blues are back at tonight after a bit of a break. They last played on Saturday. That was that wild game against Chicago where they end up winning by a 7-5 score. Uh, The NHL takes a few days off for the holidays, and now uh, they're back at tonight as they match up against Dallas. And Bannister was asked about uh, how the team is uh, feeling coming off of the break, and specifically uh, knowing that their last game was that uh, win against the Blackhawks.
2: Guys are excited to be back. Uh, Obviously after a game like we had the other night, um, there was a lot of energy after the So I think it was good for them to reset, take a breath. Um, you know, this is going to be a tough part of our schedule, but I think I said this before. I think we need hard right now to see where we're at, uh, and this is going to be a good test us. You know, tonight against a real good Dallas team. Coach, the
4: other night that comeback victory, how much can that impact the team and
2: put them? I think it does. Um, you know, confidence wise, but I don't think we want to put ourselves in that position at any time against whether it's Chicago, Dallas, Colorado. Like we, you know, early on, um, there was parts of our game that that hurt and where we're able to get to our game I thought in the first period we turned the puck o- turn pucks over too much and then the second part of the game in the second period we're we were playing good hockey but we, we we turned away some pretty good looks at the net and we were overpassing and I think that's where you know we have to get better at you know just to start games make sure we're managing the puck better and you know look to attack but uh, we do have some really skilled players that want to make those plays but I think more often than not that You know We have to get more pucks to the net to create those second opportunities and put more pressure on their goalie and their defenders.
1: They'll match up against the Stars tonight. They just played them four games ago. That was a game on Saturday, December 16th, when they won in overtime 4-3. That was the second game of the, I guess we can call it, the Drew Bannister era of Blues hockey. Bannister was asked how much they really look at that film and use that game uh, to help prepare for this game tonight.
2: Not much. I mean, there's there's going to be some clips that we show, but we you know we'll go back uh, from their previous game in Nashville and, and, and show clips too. But uh, there's certainly you know parts of the game that that you know we didn't play that we have to be aware of uh, through the middle of the ice that they expose really well. They get a lot of speed down the middle of the ice and they they, they they tend to use it a lot. So uh, it goes back to just the odd man rushes we have to protect against the odd man rush. Make sure we have numbers over top uh, and making sure that our guys under you know that are behind the puck have to work back here tonight and help. out with our, our back pressure on the puck and allows our D to kind of play tighter.
1: A couple other things from uh, Drew Bannister. He was specifically asked about Colton Pareco. and uh, really a number of Blues players since the coaching change, it seems like they've got uh, an extra jump in their step and Pareko is one of those guys. He's been uh, playing at a pretty high level.
2: I think Perry's. Uh, since I've come in, he's been he's been a horse. Really, he's played extremely well for us. He he sees tough tough matchups. He's been defending, you know, against other teams' to top lines, and and uh, he's done a really good job transporting pucks, uh, getting up to our forwards quickly, but defending hard in our end when we need it.
1: And then the last thing to hear from uh, Bannister, he talked a little bit about the power play unit, and he makes special reference to the second unit, which has been getting uh, some more time on the ice. And that group with Jake Neighbors and Kevin Hayes and Brandon Saj, uh, Justin Falk, Scott Pernovich, uh, that group's been doing a nice job. and. Again, the, the power play was so incredibly bad for the vast majority of the season. Getting any production whatsoever from the power play is something that uh, this team needs and it does feel like that, uh, that second group right now is doing a little bit more.
2: I think that's just a feel, you know, when you you feel like you had one line, one unit going, you want to go back with them and give them the opportunity. It's not always going to be that way. Um, but but certainly they deserve the opportunity to be out there right after they had scored that goal. They're feeling good about themselves. Um, you know, I guess the plays down down around the goal line were, were key for us. And I think that's where, you know, we have to do more work is around the goal line and making sure we get numbers in around their goal line, the blue paint to, to create those secondary opportunities.
1: That was uh, Drew Bannister. We're going to keep talking the blues after the top of the hour and after our uh, seven o'clock news, because Doug Armstrong also spoke today, spoke a little bit about the future of the team, specifically with the seven players participating uh, in the junior championships. So we'll hear from him on that, but also he did comment on how the team is playing right now and also on a a somewhat controversial moment in the very early time period of Drew Bannister as the head coach. So we will get into that coming up in uh, just a while. Also in the seven o'clock, hour. We're going to hear from uh, Chris Tervino, uh talk Mizzou football with him as we continue to uh, preview the Cotton Bowl going to be coming up on Friday night. Missouri going to uh, match up against Ohio State. Our guy Brad Young in tonight for At Your Service. He'll be with you from 8 o'clock to 10 o'clock. We'll uh, chat with him for a little bit at the end of uh, this program as well. So we've got a lot to get to. Don't go anywhere. We've got the 7 o'clock news and then we're back with our number two of a Graybar Sports Open line right here on KMOX